أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم Continue with this chapter on shukr gratitude, thankfulness towards Allah He described two ways of shukr One was the normal type of shukr where a person will try to use the blessings of Allah in a way that um, doesn't go against what Allah wants them wants from them so I said this last session as well that this it's a given that you're going to acknowledge that this is a blessing from Allah and you're going to actually thank Allah verbally Alhamdulillah, Shukran Lillah, something like that that's like the minimum so he doesn't even talk about that part he just talks about um how that the first stage of it is that you don't use or misuse or misuse the um, blessing that Allah has given you, using it for the wrong purpose. All right, so that was the first stage of it, first level degree of it. Then you have another degree which is higher than this, and he called it the shukr of the urafa, the shukr and gratitude of the mystics, those who are spiritual wayfarers the ones that are a little higher than and above the normal, they, what they do is that they, when they see the blessing from Allah, through that blessing, they will see Allah Himself. A ni'mah has been given to them, but they see the wali of that ni'mah, the one who has bestowed that ni'mah upon them. And whatever that ni'mah is, doesn't have to necessarily be something consumable, edible, drinkable, no, anything. And that was the second one, and we talked about that a lot. But then we move on now. He says there is the highest level of shukr. And what is that? Very simply put, it is al-i'tiraf bil-ajz. It is that a person admits and confesses that they are not capable of thanking Allah. Confessing and admitting to your inability and helplessness when it comes to thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the next level, he says, this is above everything else. He'll give an example. He'll say, because when I want to do shukr of Allah for something, in addition to actually having what it takes to do shukr, I have to have the heart, the tongue, the body limbs for the shukr, in addition to using them in a way that I do shukr. As was said, we don't use what Allah has given us to disobey Allah. So the fact that I have this opportunity from Allah, this tawfiq from Allah to not misuse, that itself requires a shukr. So it's a pretty uh, daqiq here. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes you don't disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through that which He has given you. Sometimes you thank Allah for being able to use that which He has given you. Yes, for being able to use that which he has given you for what he would like or not using it against what he wants. Okay, so here he says, look, as a matter of fact, when we have, when we want to do shukr, we can't do shukr because the fact that I am doing shukr needs another shukr. Okay, if we define shukr as not misusing what Allah has given us, then I have to thank Allah for not misusing in other words, I have to thank Allah for the thankfulness that I was able to exhibit. Okay, and so he gets into this now. So in other words, 
it just multiplies and goes up exponentially the amount of shukr that is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? So, he starts going through some literature and that's what we want to do in our session today. Is that we want to go through the different literature we have in this regard. Where the imams or others are admitting that we just cannot be thankful to you the way we are supposed to be. Oh Allah, it's just impossible. And that itself is what matters in Allah's eyes. Okay, so let's start off with an excerpt from, um, yes, Imam Sajjad's dua or munajat, whispered prayer they call them. And we'll go through the whole thing later if we have time. But this is the important part. How am I able to achieve shukr? <laughs> While my gratitude, my shukr towards you itself requires another shukr. Okay. So every time I say Alhamdulillah, because I was able to say Alhamdulillah, I have to say another Alhamdulillah for it. This is a part of this is the dua of Munajatu Shakirin, the whispered prayer of the thankful ones. Those 15 du'as or munajats that Imam Sajjad has that are in Mafatihul Jinan. Uh, the 15 whispered prayers of Imam Sajjad. One of them is the whispered prayer of the thankful ones, the Shakirin. This was from that. And we'll get we'll go through the whole thing maybe later. Because it's not too long and there are some other nice things in it as well. But this idea of understanding that I cannot uh, achieve the shukr of Allah, that itself is apparently all that matters in Allah's eyes. Look at this hadith here. That Imam al-Sadiq said, Fima Allah Musa. One of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed unto Musa salam, he said, O Musa, ushkurni haqqa shukri. Thank me the way I deserve to be thanked. Okay. So what did Musa say? Naturally, what is he going to say? He's going to say, Ya Rab, wa kayf ashkuruk haqqa shukrik. How am I supposed to do justice when it comes to your shukr? While every time I do shukr for you, it's actually what it's actually a blessing you've given me that I was able to do shukr of you. So I can never say that I've done my job when it comes to thanking you. And so this is the part where Allah says, Qala ya Musa. By saying this and having this perspective, you have actually thanked me the way I deserve to be thanked. <laughs> the moment you knew that, that even your shukr is from me, um, yeah, that's when you've done your job. In other words, knowing that you can't do your job is enough for Allah to say you've done your job. That's how, that's how kind Allah is to us. Or we have this in Nahj al-Balagha. This idea once again of the fact that we just understand that we don't have what it takes to do shukr of Allah because we don't even have knowledge of everything that He's done for us. He goes, let me just read the English to you. It says, Know that firm in knowledge are those who refrain from opening the curtains that lie against the unknown. Stop trying to figure everything out. Doesn't mean don't try, but sometimes there are certain things you know, you come to the conclusion, this is not for me. So keep it like that. And their acknowledgement of ignorance. So those, he says, know that firm in knowledge are those who do that and acknowledge their ignorance about the details of the hidden unknown. It prevents them from further probe. 
Allah praises them for their admission. Just the fact that they admit it, okay? Allah praises them for their admission that they are unable to get knowledge not allowed to them. Okay? So understanding that you sometimes just won't be able to achieve something when it comes to Allah and what Allah deserves, that is enough for Allah. He accepts it. So it says here, Allah praises them for this. Okay? Or another hadith. Imam al kadhim this is a famous hadith, it's in Usul al-Kafi, where it says, My son, alright, be strong, have resolve, be serious, alright? Serious about what? Well, the context will tell us. Don't take yourself out of, um, or don't see yourself uh, as a person who has done that do justice to Allah when it comes to the worship of Allah and the obedience of Allah even. You see, that sometimes you worship Allah, you say, okay, I can't do it. But obeying Allah, the wajib, the haram, sometimes you feel like, you know, we got this, we got it right. But even then, I don't feel that you've got it. Why? Allah cannot be worshipped the way He deserves to be worshipped. It's clear why He's unlimited and then we are limited in everything. So, you know, like kind of like uh, this is an example I'm going to give, not because I'm trying to point out the similarity. Well, I want to point out the similarity, but I'm going to neglect the difference here, or I'm not going to point to the difference, but there's a big difference between the two, but it's just an example, okay? It's just an example. In Christianity, right, what do you have? You have uh, salvation through acknowledging the crucifixion of Christ, embracing Christ, and understanding that I just don't have what it takes when it comes to following the Mosaic law for my salvation. And so I have to understand that Jesus died on the cross for me to wipe out my original sin and my salvation will become through acknowledging that. And so, yeah, here we'll have something similar. Allah says, look, you will never be able to worship me the way I deserve to be. Acknowledge my blessings upon you the way you're supposed to. Thanking me the way you're supposed to. You won't. But look, it doesn't mean there's no way out for you. <coughs> I'm going to overlook that. And I'm going to say, look, all that I want from you is to acknowledge that you're not good enough. You know, it sounds kind of like uh, what you have in Christianity. Although we totally, re you know, reject that. Uh, for us, salvation lies in still obedience of God and embracing the true tenets of the faith. But um, if I'm not misrepresenting what the Christian faith says or the Catholic faith says, over there they'll say, no, your salvation lies only in embracing Christ as your Savior, the one who paid the price for you. And that is what gives you salvation. So something like that you'll have here. Alhamdulillah, it's a good uh, little discount Allah is giving. At least understand that much. So here though in the hadith it said, don't think that you've done it You've got it right when it comes to the worship of Allah. Don't think you got it right when it comes to obedience of Allah. I have a little story here from, of myself, like back when I thought I was all that uh, spiritually. I went to one of these greats and I said to them, look, I'm ready for more. I have reached a point I'm not sinning anymore at all. Can you tell me what to do next? Yeah, I'll never forget the way he looked at me. It was after Salat. And so he looked at me. And that look enough was that look was enough to destroy me, and then he destroyed me even further. He said, "Never say that. <laughs> Never say that. 
So it comes from this, the understanding we get from these hadiths. This is an understanding that, look, don't ever feel like you've done it the way it's supposed to be done. Say, I tried my best. And then, so, and, and he did he did say some extra things to do. You know, it's not like he said, get out, of, get out of here, you're a horrible person. He just said, never say that. And then he said, okay, like do this and do that. This is what you should do next. But that's about, that's that. But, but he made sure to let me know that, um, yeah, I'm not worth anything. And I thank him for that because, yeah, we're not really anything special. Sometimes Allah will make you run, run, run for 20 years of your life thinking you're going to make it through your worship and you have to do the worship but he will give you this understanding that in the end it wasn't your worship that got you anywhere it was me that got you anywhere we have to understand that it's not that you did what you were supposed to do and you did how much I deserve you worshipped me the way I was deserving of worship that's why you made it no it's uh, interesting how it works alright so we have a little poetry here as well from Saadi that I want to share with you. All of this is just to illustrate how, just to illustrate how, no matter how much we try, what matters for Allah is, for real thankfulness to Allah is for us to admit that we don't have, we haven't done what we need to do. Okay? So I'm going to read this. Sa'di and his Gulistan. Gulistan means, uh, do you have Gul in Urdu? What does Gul mean? Flower? Okay, Gulistan means the yeah, flower garden. So in that book of his, he has two books, Bustan and Gulistan. I think this is in Gulistan, where he says, it says, Mennat Khudaira Azzawajal, Kitaatash Mujibi Qurbatast. Alright, so all favor, Allah has favored us by what? By the fact that His obedience allows us to get closer to Him. And the fact that when we do shukr of him, that he gives us more. Okay. And so he starts talking about how we can't live up to that shukr though. Every breath we take, every inhale <coughs> extends our life and every exhale brings us happiness. Alright. So he wants to conclude. Pas tarhar nafasi dunemat mojudast. Right? Dunemat mojudhe. Number one, there are two blessings in every breath that we take. Vabarhar nemati shukri wajib. And every ni'mah and blessing requires a shukr. A shukr is wajib upon us, necessary upon us. So that's him getting us ready for what he wants to say. And then he's like, wait a minute, like, okay, so if. This is this is how much shukr we owe to Allah. As dastu zabane kibarayad kaz ohde shukrash bidarayad. Whose hand and tongue can ever live up to the shukr of Allah subhanahu wa taala? Ayatullah Jawadi adds something here. He says, "No, I want to add something to this. As dastu zabano dile kibarayad." From whose hand, whose hand, tongue, and heart can even fulfill the thankfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so throughout life, when we lose things, when we miss out on things, just got to remind ourselves of the, of the of what these urafah are talking about. So in the poetry, 
In the poem, he brings a verse of the Quran, O progeny of Dawood, Prophet Dawood, perform shukr of Allah wa qalilun min shakur. And my servants, the, my thankful servants, are very little in number, Allah is saying. So he brings that there to show that, yeah, Allah is even telling us that you won't be able to do it the right way. It's better instead of like trying to act like you are able to do the, the, the proper shukr of Allah. <laughs> it's better if you just go to Allah with what? Just go with Him apologizing for what? For your shortcoming and fulfilling His thankfulness. Okay? If Allah had said, I want proper shukr of my ni'mah to you, and I will punish you if you don't do it, or I will take away whatever you have from you if you don't do it, that would be a problem. But come on, like this is such a discount. Sadi here is saying, look, just go to him, but uh, and just tell him, I'm sorry, I can't, you know. <laughs> or else we will never be able to do what we're supposed to do when it comes to his, what he deserves of thankfulness. Like he gives a few examples of the blessings. He says that his reign of uh, the reign of mercy um, that comes down, that abundant rain that he sends down, that um, that table that uh, spread that he has cast out and spread out for everyone. That goes from like from the east to the west and encompasses everybody. The fact that he does not uh, remove the veils that cover us, keeping our sins discreet and undisclosed to others. And the fact that he doesn't stop sustaining us, although we do wrong and all of this. He says, look, how are we going to ever be able to um, fulfill this thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's not possible. All right, so... This is what Sa'di says. So as you can see, everyone's talking about, what did we have so far? We had Imam Sajjad, Imam Sadiq and God speaking to Musa. Then you have Imam Ali and Nahjul Balagha. You have Sa'di. Everyone is talking about how they can just cannot be thankful to Allah. So look, they've discovered, they've discovered the shortcut. Okay. Allah teaches you the shortcut. Some shortcuts are not good. And they won't get you the, to the destination. But what if a shortcut does get you a destination? To a destination, why not? What if Allah Himself is telling you, "This is going to get me to the destination"? These people have discovered this, and they are rend in, in Farsi. We say rend means a person who's smart. All right, smart in a good way, um, and is able to secure uh, big things with the s smaller effort. All right. So I also want to share what Imam Sajjad says in his du'a. In dua, dua, I don't know the number. I don't think there's a number for it. Let me pull it off. But I think it is here at least. One, two, three, four, five. It's like the sixth or seventh. Yeah, dua of those 15 whispered prayers. And you can find this on alislam.org as well. Just uh, Google the 15 whispered prayers of Imam Sajjad. It'll come up. So when you look at the dua of the Shakirin, the one that I read a little excerpt from, the dua of the Shakirin, it begins like this. Of course, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad, it begins like that lots of times. Imam Sajjad's du'as begin like that. Ilahi, O oh my Lord, 
Now he's speaking to Allah, whispering to Allah. These are things that you can recite after Salatul Fajr. It's a good time. And it takes like three minutes. The uninterrupted flow of your favor, favors has led me to be distracted from expressing my thanks to you. So forget about whether I can or cannot. Let's just assume that I could even thank Allah the way He deserves to be thanked. It is just so much and so abundant and flowing so seamlessly that I it distracts me from being able to thank Him. The overflowing flood of your blessings has made me incapable of counting your praises. Okay, so here's admitting that I can't do it. The succession, one after the other, of your kind acts has diverted me from mentioning all your praises. The continuous rush of your benefits has obstructed me from spreading the news of your good favors. So what's Imam Sajjad doing here? Is he thanking Allah? He's not thanking Allah. He's telling Allah why he's not thanking him. Right? But this itself is, is, is what matters apparently. Okay? Do shukr as much as you can, but have the right mindset. This is the right mindset. So this is, I'm a person who, this is the position of him who acknowledges the abundance of your favors, but responds with nothing but shortcomings. Yeah. Now someone might say, why does Allah want to hear, always want to hear about how bad we are and how good he is? We've discussed this before. Okay. This question can only be posed if the person we're talking about is a normal person like us, is an imperfect being. But when you're talking about the perfect being, yeah, philosophically perfect being, then, th then th this is exactly how it's supposed to be. Because all good is there. You have to go there. And the moment you feel like I'm something, you're missing out just that much. Okay? Just by that much, you're missing out on something that can come your way. To understand that me versus Allah, not others, versus Allah, nothing, zero, absolutely zero. Yeah, that's when... Allah's like, okay, this person wants 100%, I can give them 100%. But if I take, if I, if I have 20%, oh Allah, then that means I only need 80% from you. That's, uh, you're hurting yourself. You're ripping yourself off because you ain't got nothing for yourself. You think you got 20%. Qarun <sighs> taught us a good lesson. Qarun, yeah, that, that person that lived during Prophet Musa's time and was related to Prophet Musa. Qarun was the maternal cousin of Prophet Musa, salam, they say. And so he was an Israelite. He wasn't from the Fir'aun's clan. But the problem with this, him was that he was too conceited, too self-conceited. And so the Quran says he comes out, you know, flashing all of his uh, uh, whatever wealth that he had. And he tells the people, this is something I gained myself. Okay, so you got 30% yourself, 50% yourself. I don't need Allah. And so what happened in the end? The earth swallowed him in his home. Can you help yourself now? <laughs> you can't help yourself now. Yeah. So, um, of course, it takes. You're gonna really have to be a problem and a and a bad person to reach that point. But when you do, and there's no turning back, that's what happens. So what we do is we take inspiration from that. From that. What hit him? Where did he get hit from? What angle did he get hit from? The fact that he felt like I got something. Okay. So we can also we. We'll, no one should say, oh, you know, I'll never think that Allah has nothing to do with my life. Yeah, but. Sometimes to a certain percentage, we might feel like, you know, he doesn't have something to do or we'll feel like we've accomplished something. No, that's going to be a problem itself. Anyway, 
So I'm the one who acknowledges the abundance of your favors, but responds with nothing but shortcomings and is a witness to his own forgetfulness and negligence. And you are the gentle one, the compassionate, the good, the generous one who does not disappoint those who seek from him, nor cast off from his courtyard those who are expecting from him. In your gate are laid down the saddlebags of the hopeful. What does that mean in Arabic? بِسَاحَتِكَ تَحُطُّ رِحَادُ Saha means like courtyard. So look, when you feel like you can settle down somewhere, that's when you actually take the saddlebags off of your horse and you put them there, right? That's what it means. So the ones who have hope, it's he's saying, the ones who have hope, they've put their saddlebags in your courtyard, right? Why? Because that is they that, that is where they feel, yeah, that they can, you know, rely and not worry about anything. They have hope that this is where this is where they'll be saved. If you don't have hope in the place, like if you're driving on the highway, this happens to me. Sometimes, you know, it's it's dark, you want to stop somewhere, maybe pray, maybe go to the bathroom, and you're passing by a rest area and it's all dark and stuff. I'm not going to stop there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to stop there and like, you know, have no, I I'm looking forward to something that I can. So I'll go to a place that's bright, there's lots of light. And there's people maybe back and going, you know, something like, you know, what they say, Bucky's. I'll stop there maybe, you know, if I need to do, uh, if I need to like pray in a corner or something. Uh, yeah. So anyway, those who have hope, they put, they settle down in your courtyard, oh Allah. And in your ground stand the hopes of the ones who are seeking help. So meet not our hopes by disappointing and disheartening us and please do not clothe us in the shirt of despair and dejection. I'm going fast because I want to reach the end part. Ah, my God, my thankfulness is very small before the magnitude of your blessings and my praise and spreading of your news shrink beside your and compared with your generosity toward me. If I'm going to tell the world how good you are, I still won't be able to. Your favors have wrapped me in the robes of the lights of faith. Your subtle goodness have let down over me delicate curtains of dignity. Your kindness has put on me collars not to be moved and adorned me with neck rings not to be broken. So your blessings are plentiful, but my tongue is too weak to count them. Your favors are many, but my understanding of them falls short of grasping them, let alone exhausting and counting them. Okay. So how can I achieve giving thanks فَكَيْفَ لِي بِتَحْسِيلِ الشُّكْرِ وَشُكْرِ إِيَّاكَ يَفْتَقِرُ إِلَى شُكْرِ You see, he reaches this part where we read before, I talked about before. How can I achieve giving thanks? For my thanking you will require me to thank you for giving me the capacity to thank you. <laughs> Whenever I say to you, belong all, belongs all praise, it becomes obligatory for me to mention your gift that allows me to express this praise. All right, so it goes on. He says, oh Allah, continue to bless us until the end of the dua, which is like a few more lines. Okay, so here also what we find is this idea of, hey, acknowledge that he's given more than I can be thankful for and I've fallen short. That's all. But now to be able to understand that I fall short, the Quran prepares those grounds for me a little bit as well. It reminds me that look, you won't even be able to count his blessings because if you want to thank the blessings someone has given you, you have to know what they are, right? You have to be able to count them or else your thankfulness is not a comprehensive one. Let's say you know someone put a lot of money in your bank account. You don't know exactly how much it is and you thank them a lot for it. Still, you're not thanking, thanking them the way you're supposed to because you don't know exactly how much it is, right? 
you just know it's a big amount. Someone tells you it's a big amount. Well, a big amount for me is a thousand to a million. Which one is it? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Even if it's a thousand, thank you so much, you know? Still, it's better than nothing. But what if it's more than that? Yeah. So the fact that you cannot count it, you don't know the quantity of it and even the quality of it, that shows that you can never be thankful of it. So it's one thing for Allah to tell us, you can never thank me. Or the imams that are telling us, the ulama or rafat tell us that you can never thank Allah. It's one thing. What the Quran does, it seems, is it lets us know that we don't even have that which would have allowed us to thank Him. Okay? And what is that? Knowledge of what He's given us. Being able to count them. All right, so He's given me all of this. He gives you two examples here in the Quran. The first one is Surah Luqman, verse 27. وَلَوْ أَنَّ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ مِنْ شَجَرَةٍ أَقْلَامٍ وَالْبَحْرُ يَمُدُّهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ سَبْعَةُ أَبْحُرٍ مَا نَفِدَتْ كَلِمَاتُ اللَّهِ If all of the trees on, in, on the earth were pens and the sea was ink and there were seven other seas after it Yeah, if I'm translating it correctly, I hope I'm not mistranslating it. It doesn't say ink, it just says and the sea was to help it. Yamudduhu. One of these two. Either it was a pen for it, or it was ink for it, or it was an, an additional thing to the trees of, of the earth. Up to seven seas, Allah's kalimat wouldn't end. Allah's words. Does that mean that Allah has a lot to tell us? No, when you look in the tafsirs, it means everything that Allah creates. All of these things that Allah creates are kalimatullah. And that's why Prophet Isa, according to some tafsirs, is referred to as the word of God, kalimatullah. Um, because he's a creature and creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So all in all, the creation of God is blessings and you can never, you can never encompass them in knowledge. Or this other verse here that's very famous as well, Surah Ibrahim, verse 34. If you want to count the blessings of Allah, the ni'mah of Allah, you will never be able to. All right, so that's number one. To let us know that you can never count them. If you can't count them, then you can't, obviously, you can't thank God for each one of them. Another thing that finishes the job is to understand that these all actually belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He talks a little bit about this. I just would like to share the literature that he shares. Just reminding us that all these blessings that we think we've gained and it's because of us, they are subjugated by us and subservient to us, right? Whether it's animals, whether it's computers, whether it's cars and planes, that in the end it is Allah behind it. Okay, because yes, true, I'm the one who figured out how to control this, but Allah gave me the faculties and, and whatever it is that I used to subjugate that for myself. So we have in Sahifa Sajjadiyah the first dua of Sahifa Alhamdulillah, all praises are to Allah and all thanks to Allah, the one who it goes on to reaches this, reaches this part. He kind of preferred us over all of creation by giving us this opportunity to possess other things, control other things, over all other creatures, right? You watch some of these nature uh, shows and channels, you're like, look at the neck of that buffalo, it is so thick. How can someone as puny as us control something like that? A horse is all muscle, okay? If it kicks you once, you're done. 
all these animals, buffaloes don't even have necks. It's just the head and the body, <laughs> right? Rhinos, you go to the elephants, you go to the zoo, you just look at that thing. That thing can crush you. But now who's behind the bars? Is it the elephant or is it you? Well, the elephant thinks you're behind bars probably. But no, the elephant's behind bars, right? So through how, how are we able to do this? Well, they somehow knock the elephant out by some, by some injection, some needle. It just knocks out and then they are able to transfer it from one place to another. That's simple. But Allah says, I allowed you to do that. The fact that we can possess everything, control everything. So all of his creation is actually subservient to us. But through the power of Allah. Everything is going to be obedient of us. But through his greatness, his power, his honor. So that's in Sayyifah Sajjadiyah. So in addition to not being able to count the blessings, so we can't do the shukr, he's also reminding us, for, for those of us who might think that we might have something to do with it, so maybe we don't have to give 100% shukr. Let's give 80% shukr. He reminds us that, no, I'm behind everything. And this last one I really like as well. Some people call this the dua of traveling or in being getting on the car. Okay, uh, Parents will tell their kids, recite the dua of uh, you know, what, are, what do they call it? Do, do, travel? Yeah. While it's not a dua, you're not asking Allah for anything. It's a verse of the Quran. Surah Zukhruf, verses 13 to 14. Um, that it is one of the etiquettes when you mount your vessel, your horse, your car, whatever it is. Now, these hadiths or this story or what the verse is saying is talking about those animals that, that they would mount. But I'm pretty sure... Uh, for personally, I, I'm 100% sure it applies to whatever vessels we have today as well that have no life but still are machines and they work as we want them to. Subhanallah, sakhara lana hada wa ma kuna lahu muqrineen. It's not a dua, it's just reminding us that Immaculate is the one who subjugated for us this vessel that we're mounting and climbing right now. And we would not have been able to do it on our own. Okay? And we are all going to return to our Lord. Look at that. Tawheed, once again. So important that when you're climbing a vessel, Allah says, remember that I allowed you to do this. Number one. And number two, it reminds you that you have to remember that we're all going back to Allah. This is a vessel that's getting you to the des to your destination. Just letting you know the main destination is what? Is Allah Himself. Is there a dua in this? There's no dua in this. It is a verse of the Quran and they say it's one of the etiquettes. It says Imam al-Sadiq whenever he would get on his vessel, on his horse or camel or donkey or whatever it was, he would uh, recite this verse and then he would uh, say Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah. He would re repeat this seven times. This is a hadith that we have. Yeah, it says here in Mahasan of Abarqi in the book. Alright, so, and then he ends with this Ayatollah Jawad. He says that this is, although this is about livestock and cattle and horses and all those things, but it also applies to ships, cars, trains, and uh, planes and all of that stuff as well. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Any questions? No questions? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.